Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where inspiring stories are brought to life. This podcast is made possible by Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. I'm your host, Dr. Drew Flam. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today is our 50th episode of the Grace Story Podcast, and we have a very special guest with us, the president of Grace College and Seminary, Dr. Bill Cadup. Dr. Cadup has been president since May of 2013 and served as provost prior to that at Grace College and Seminary. His undergraduate degree is from Grace, and he has a master's from Purdue University and a Ph.D. in higher education from Michigan State. Dr. Cadup has a breadth of experience in higher education spanning 46-plus years. Here's a few other things you should know about Dr. Cadup. He unfortunately is a fan of the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers oh, to be exact. that's not unfortunate. He has a fascination with crushing water bottles after finishing them, which he, by the way, just did a few minutes ago. His wife, Debbie, is really fun and a funny person, and Dr. Kadip refers to her as his chief advisor. And he's also a great boss and mentor, and I've never met anybody who works so hard and cares so deeply for Grace College and Grace Seminary. Dr. Cadup, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Drew. I'm looking forward to this. Although I see you have notes there, and I have not been made aware of any questions, so we'll see where this goes We're today. actually pretty excited about that, <laughs> and, and we're going to spend more time in this one kind of diving into your habits, your interests, your leadership style, um, and so we're just excited to kind of get to know you you better through this, and hopefully my introduction was at least half right, <laughs> except for maybe the Steelers part. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's start here. Let's go back to your childhood a little bit. So um, tell us how you would describe yourself as a kid, and then um, just things you were into, um, and, and tell us a little bit about your family growing up. Well, if you asked my siblings, <laughs> they would tell you, I don't have vivid memories of growing up in my childhood, but I can... I can respond some. Well, you were called Billy. I remember that much, right? I was called Billy. I am still called Billy by my <laughs> by my two sisters who are living and my brother. Um, one especially would, um, I don't know if she's done it recently. I'd have to ask Debbie, but she'll call my house in the middle of the day and say, is Billy there? And Debbie <laughs> says, no, he's at work. He's got a job, actually. <laughs> yes. So I had um, three sisters and a brother, five of us. I was the middle child. Some would say that's um, the most adjusted and so forth. Um, we were all pretty much two years apart, um, except my next youngest sister. She was only 15 months younger than me, then two years again. So I grew up in Pontiac, Michigan. And um, my parents um, came to know the Lord right about when I was born. So I... Um, I grew up in a church, in a Baptist church, and um, I was just there a lot. We had a great youth group and um, went to all those activities. Um, we had lots of outreach. We'd go to amusement parks and so forth. But I, um, yeah, our church and our youth pastor, that was a major part of my life mm -hmm. growing up. Now, if you go earlier and younger, um, I, I probably couldn't name 
maybe one or two of my grade school or the kindergarten teachers, but it was it was all good. It was just pleasant. And <laughs> now you were a middle child, and sometimes that's kind of the peacemaker of the family. But I and and I don't know if I've thought about this before, but that kind of relates to even your leadership style. And do you think there's some correlation there? Well, I think there might be. <laughs> I um, I, I, you would you would know this. You'd probably agree. I tend to have meetings that are a little bit longer than other people <laughs> might tend to do. No comment. And um, yeah, I was um, I wouldn't say tension, but my mom had some physical and emotional issues when we were um children. She um. She went, I didn't know it at the time what was going on, but later um, I came to understand she had what they used to call a nervous breakdown. Um, I don't think it was because of her middle child. <laughs> I don't know if the other kids were involved, but she'd had cancer and surgery. And um, so she went for three or four months and lived with some friends of ours. And we were there with my dad without my mom. Um, and I just kind of accepted it as a part of life. Um, but yeah, um, and I later I came to understand she had some mental stuff. So when there'd be some fighting, I would sort of try to bring them together, my mom and dad, and um, if a sibling was involved. Um, so I guess I was the peacemaker. And that that is, uh, I would say, analogous to somewhat of your leadership style, which is how do you bring people together? I mean, yeah. Would you describe yourself a collaborative leader? Y yes, absolutely collaborative. Um, I think the best way of working through tensions or various sides of issues is if you listen to people. So I, I think generally um, I've tried to be a good listener in my leadership, um, other places where I've worked and here at Grace, and I think that was reflective of, of growing up at home. When you um, came to Grace, you studied psychology for your undergraduate degree and clinical psychology for a, a master's degree. Yeah, psychology and Bible. And Bible, that's right. a double that's major. Right. Um, does, I mean, is that related as well? I mean, what do you think led you into sort of down that route at first? Well, I, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist, actually. And when I was, um, I did a master's degree, I think I took one semester off school. Then I started um, in January semester of 1975, took a couple classes at um, St. Francis College first. Then I applied to go to grad school at Purdue. Um, back in the day when I was going to grad school, they didn't have entirely master's degree offerings at Fort Wayne. You had to go to the main campus. So I was admitted and I started and I really was planning to become a clinical psychologist and um, I think right about when I was finished and I remember saying to Debbie, you know, what would you think if I didn't um, continue to be a psychologist? And she said, what are you thinking? And I said, I kind of like this working at colleges. I was working here full time going to grad school. And um, she said I'd be OK. So I guess she gave me permission. She's your chief advisor. Yes. yes. Yeah. So I um, but I felt it would still come in handy, so um, I decided right about when I was graduating from Purdue in um, May of 1977 that I wanted to stay in higher ed, and I kind of decided about that time to try to go for a Ph.D. So, um, but yeah, so I thought I wanted to be a psychologist, but I really enjoyed working with college students and administrators and faculty. I think 
working at a college, you have a interesting combination of things that are the same, but things that change. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what has appealed to me, um, besides the mission, of course. But um, so I shifted gears and um, went and did the PhD for Michigan State, very fine institution. One of the Although top ranked ones. They yes. lost. They lost basketball last night, just like the Lancers That's did. That's right. I stayed up and watched it. You were sleeping, I know, by then. <laughs> yes, I was. Um, you just mentioned the, and I want to get back to education and, and your pursuit of differing degrees, but you mentioned you like higher ed because it's got some things the same and some things that are different. Uh, what's the same and what's different? Yeah, I think the same would be the cycles, the semesters, you get new students in every year, you have graduation, um, faculty have loads. So those things are the same. What's different students and their their mores, their values, what they bring with them, how they go out of here. So I, I found, you know, on personality tests, like the DISC, I'm an S for steadiness. And um, in fact, Debbie will tell you, my first job here at Grace College I, I was pretty, um, I liked my desk to be organized and put together, and I didn't like piles of paper. So she would tease me. If I died during the night before she told anybody, she had to come over to my office and mess it up and make <laughs> it look like I had done some work that day. So I, now I've learned you can look at my desk right now, and Debbie doesn't have to come over and mess it up. I don't, I've learned to, to live without everything being so organized and so put together. But I, um, I, I like that combination, and I think I was wired to um, to work that way. You, uh, if I remember correctly, you were a first generation college student, um, and and have spent you know your whole career in education and earned a PhD and and all of it. So, uh, where did that value for education and passion for education come from? Yeah, you know it. it we're we're born and then we're raised differently, you know. So I I don't know, Drew. From the time I was a young man, I mean, like early grade school, I I was involved in music. I took um, piano lessons and I took brass stuff. And I and I would get up and I'd get up and practice at five thirty in the morning <laughs> before I ever go to school. And I I kind of knew I was going to go to college. My mom and dad didn't. My mom actually graduated from high school in 1968. I was a 1970 grad. We helped her. If mm. I'm truthful, we wrote some papers <laughs> for her. And, but I was so proud of her. She hadn't finished, and she also had to get false teeth when she was going to these classes. There was no online or anything, so she'd go to school at night without her teeth. But I was really, really proud of her. So she finished. My sister, my older sister, um, did begin college, and it, it didn't go well. She went in 1968, and if you know what was going on in our country in 1968, there was a lot of campus unrest. She went to Michigan, or to Western Michigan, for about a year and a half, and she dropped out and just never finished. So, um, yeah, I always knew I would go. My parents, they knew I would go. So um, when it came time, I was going to go to Michigan State. I was going to go to pre-law. I was admitted there, and um, one of our pastors at our church was Bob Messner, Bob and Nancy, and he said, you got to go down to Grace College. And um, I had been here one time. I was in music, I mentioned. We had a handbell choir, oh. and our handbell choir had 
we had toured and we had come down and we did a chapel at Grace College. But I, I just didn't see any way in the world that I could, um, you know, afford to go to a private Christian college. But so Bob said to my parents and me, well, let's go for a visit and we'll just see. I brought my French horn with me. And this guy, Jerry Franks, had been here a couple of years and um, had this group starting Dimensions in Brass. And I, I played for him and, you know, the standards weren't that high yet. He said, yeah, I think I'll let you in. So, and then the money just came together. Um, so, but I, I, I just always knew I would go to college. Mm. And um, it, it's, it's kind of interesting when you ask about my family, you know, we were, they were all on the left side of the political spectrum. My dad worked at the shop and um, all union and everything. And um, so they, they sometimes tease me for, um, going a different direction um, than than they might be, but I don't know. I that's fascinating. I, I worked at Pontiac. I worked at General Motors Truck and Coach in the summer, and um, wow, that was an experiment, hmm. um, an experiment and an experience. They different values. Um, this was in the early '70s. They didn't have it all computerized as well, so. The assembly line would shut down, and the guys would just laugh. And I'd look at them like, what's wrong with you guys? And they would take maybe two or three hours to go give a pint of blood when the blood mobile would come in. And I said, this isn't for me. So it, it kind of motivated me. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget. I foreman said, hey, Kadip, are you a college student? I, I don't know how he knew, but I said yes. And um, he said, are you going to summer school? And I was taking a class at Oakland University, and he said, you want some overtime? I said, sure. I think I made five twenty-three an hour in 1972. That's pretty good. Pretty good. And then time and a half working overtime. And then I, I had to clean an area about the size of this room for two hours to sweep it. And he comes in the next day and says, um, Kate, you can't be doing that. And I said, doing what? He said, well, the, you didn't leave any work for the daytime people. <laughs> I said, well... He said, bring your book tomorrow. And I said, no, I, I don't want to do it. So... I just was wired differently, Drew. I don't know. Um, others in my immediate family, they would, um, they'd say I was kind of um, thinking I'm rich or whatever, and I, I just, I was just wired yeah. in a different way. Well, I guess kind of, I wanted to get more into sort of your daily routine, and that gets to it. I mean, you, you are a hard worker, and um, that starts even in the morning for you. Like you said, you. Uh, Got up at five thirty to practice the French horn, which I'm thankful no, I was piano. Oh, I was gonna say because I knew I was, if you were practicing that French horn at five thirty, I think we would have gotten in a fight as siblings, especially um, the high notes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, when those high notes are just a little off on the French yes, horn, you yes. certainly know, as they often were when I was playing. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about like your your routine. So in the mornings, and I'm sure it's changed over the years, but right now in this stage of life. What does, uh, you know, when do you get up? What does your morning routine look like before you get to the yeah, office? Yeah, I've, I've never needed a whole lot of sleep. I'll say so that. So how many hours of sleep um, a night would you say? Maybe five to six okay. has been pretty good. Um, like when I worked in Pittsburgh, um, where I worked, they had a, a rowing team, women's crew team. And I, I would get up at 10 to 5. I would shower and shave. I mean, I would shave. I wouldn't shower. I would shave. And I'd be down there by 20 till 6. 
and I, I did spinning class with the crew. And if you think spinning's for sissies, you don't know anything about it. <laughs> that, that crew coach, she was a bear. So I'd do that for 45 minutes when they went for an hour and a half. Then I would um, shave or shower and then go to work. But um, my, my schedule now, I, I tend to get up a little later. I, I get up maybe 6.15. And I am um, no ch- alarm or anything. You just kind of no. Get I up. have an alarm. Okay, I have okay. an alarm. Yeah, um, but I do often wake up without the alarm just before it. It's kind of interesting. But about six fifteen, I I tend to I like to be caught up on my email. I I, I like to be caught up at night and before I come to work. If I'm, you usually zero out your email inbox daily. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it to be sitting there. So I like to have the email cleared out. I have two or three morning devotionals and scripture that I try to get in. Um, I try to listen to and think about it. I have two morning higher ed things that I read. So let's talk, what devotionals do you, do there, you usually read? There's a guy named Duke Duval. I, I learned about him years ago. He's um he's, he's pretty traditional, pretty conservative. He, when he reads scripture, he's reading the King James, and I— I haven't done that in years, but I um, I I got to know him through somebody here locally, and so I listened to his morning devotional. Um, then I read, um, usually a daily reading through the scripture thing, and then um, try to look at what our church is doing in the in the reading there. So that's kind of my um. Then I listen to some occasional other blogs. I, I've I'm not a big blogger, so listening to Duke Duvall every morning's kind of a, it's been a newer thing about the last three or four years for me. Then I try to, I look at these two morning higher ed things every day. The Chronicle and Inside yeah. Higher Ed? Yes, the Chronicle of Higher Ed and Inside Higher Ed. They, um, I just feel like you got to know what's going on in the world in which I work. And I'll sometimes send articles to people to read if they didn't see it yet. Um, then I come to work. Usually get here a little before eight. And um, do you eat breakfast usually at home? Oh, my breakfast usually is a, a shake that I drink. Ah, okay. <laughs> I drink um, off-brand from Walmart. These uh, energy shakes. Um, then I, you know, before the pandemic, I would go out to breakfast maybe a couple days a week. And then I would eat pretty good breakfast. But if if I don't have a breakfast, I drink an energy shake on Saturdays sometimes. Debbie will say, would you like bacon and eggs? And I say, oh, honey, you don't have to do that. <laughs> She'll say, shut up, I'm going to cook for you today. So, I, yeah, I like a good breakfast. But I usually, the shakes, they're, they're pretty healthy for you, and they don't put a lot of weight on. And if, uh, you've sent me in the morning sometimes uh, Seth Godin, um, who's kind of a marketing and yeah, his are forward-thinking kind yes, of guy. Yes, he's kind of a, a futurist and a marketing futurist, so I like to look at his, yes. So you say you get here kind of a little bit before eight, and um, we mentioned meetings earlier. But how do you typically structure your day at work, or would you say there even is a typical structure to your life daily at Grace? Well, I don't know if there's a typical one, except that it's usually pretty full, and that's okay. They go fast, and the Lord knows. But um, I, I I meet with my direct reports, most of them weekly, some every other week. So I, I have those scheduled. Um, a lot of meetings. Um, Sarah Prater, who's our executive assistant, I, I think she would say it's probably half her job is trying to untangle my schedule and to keep it straight. 
and you're you are on the go too. I mean, you uh, you like to be um, out and about and yep. with people and yep. and all you know traveling and those it's, kind it's of things. Part of my job, yep. you know, as yep. you know, and um, the people in our advancement office they do their part to try to keep me. We do focused we... and talking to people. But yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy sharing the vision of what the Lord's doing here and what we're working on and projects. I, I don't think that part of my job's tough. I just, um, it's my job to tell people and it's the Lord that directs them to give to us or, you know, to get engaged in it. One of your, uh, one of your other habits that I wish I would do a better job of is you don't take your phone to bed with you, which I do, and it's not yeah. a good habit. Do you have any other kind of nighttime habits that well, you... We're old-fashioned. We still have a house phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's... um. I learned maybe eight or nine years ago now about this device called UMA. So huh. UMA, you could buy them for $200, and it's voice over IP. So my home is voice over IP, but I, so I don't pay for a monthly phone service, except every so often the Comcast plans add the phone in, but I don't do it. But we do still have a home phone Um yeah, I think not taking that phone to bed with me is a good thing. I usually put it, charge it upstairs. Um, yeah, I don't know. What was your question? Do I have any, any other? other nighttime sort of? You we, mentioned the email. You tend to clear your email out yeah, at night. Yeah, but I, um, yeah, Debbie and I, we we tend to, um, we're we're kind of night owls, so <laughs> we we usually watch the news in bed. Um, then sometimes like the 10 o'clock or the 11 o'clock, the 11 o'clock, oh, okay. not, All not right. the okay. 10 o'clock, the 11 o'clock. And then, um, we, we really enjoyed for the first half of the pandemic, the tonight show, Jimmy Fallon did it from his home. He had these little girls that are just darling and his wife was filming them. Then he went back and we, we don't even care for it anymore. So, but uh. Well, let me, uh, I've gotten it. Let me see if I had anything other I wanted to ask you. Oh, yeah, I did want to ask you sort of about being on the go. Um, you know, you, you travel, you like to be out with alumni, you like to be out with, you know, Caris Fellowship pastors and, and going to the retreats and all those things. Um, and you're, you're a hard worker, but I've also seen up close, because I get to travel with you a lot, that you have a, a great relationship with your wife and um, and in your marriage. And so how do you how do you balance all of that? You know, ha having these responsibilities that take you all over the world at times, um, but also, you know, your primary relationship with your wife. Yeah, I mean, it sounds trite, but the Lord has to come first, then my wife and family, then my job. So, I mean, my job's ministry, and I know that, but um, Debbie's always wanted where I've been. So I, I, um, I would never go someplace for work or ministry without Debbie being fully for it. Um, when I travel and except except for when I was going down the Grand Canyon, um, I talked to her every night just for a little bit even. And with technology, um, you that's just a lot easier. But um, yeah, People may not know this, but you have a very strong emoji game on uh, texting. So I don't know what hers is like, but I, I know you guys text a lot, and you, you have a very uh, very good emoji game. Yeah, but I just um, – I've always said Debbie's a coach's wife. I could have been a coach, although no athletic ability. <laughs> In fact, I'll take a parenthesis. My only athletic trophies, one summer 
I won a bowling trophy. We, we bowled in mixed doubles when we were first married. And on one summer, I bowled on this men's league. And the last night, the lady whose husband was a three- or four-time-a-week bowler said, you know, either your husband or my husband's going to win this. And Debbie said, what? And she said, yes. And I bowled out of my head that night. So I won wow. a, a trophy and $6. <laughs> $6. And I said to this guy, you know, I can't believe I beat you. You want I'm going to give you half the prize. He took $3. <laughs> so... um. But I said, Debbie's a coach's wife. She She's flexible. She doesn't need me there all the time. Um, over the years, I got to most of my kids' soccer games and basketball, and um, I, I feel like I was a part of their lives. We have four kids, um, but it didn't require me to be there every hour, and she was used to feeding kids sometimes. I had my last job in Pittsburgh. I had to drive about 45 minutes hmm. to work, and um, – that, that was a challenge because she couldn't be there quickly, and then we she'd come to a ball game, we'd have two cars. So that was a, that was a bit of a pain. But, yeah, I just, I just put her first, and we, we talk about everything. We talk about everything. She's in charge of the house. So I don't ever say, you know, why are you putting that up or why are you doing this? She's, she's great at it. She's well, great and she's at it. She's a decorator and yeah. a collector of yep. – Things and things, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> she sells. She works two days a week at an antique mall. It helps pay for her six or seven booths that she has. Yeah, and um, yeah. So we just had um, just had great, great marriage together. Not without issues and things we worked through, but yeah. She, uh, I married up. I married up. One of the things uh, you guys like to do together is travel. Um, and so what are and and I also know you know. Uh, You've not written a book yet, but you have one in mind about travel stories. So tell me about uh, where you and Debbie like to go when you travel and do when you travel. And then give us one of your uh, give us one of your travel stories. Oh, my. Yeah, we we do. We like going on vacation. Her favorite vacation, therefore mine, is to go to the beach. And I, I do enjoy it. Debbie, if we go away for a week, she'll read 10 or 11 books in a week. Uh, She'll take a bunch, and then she'll leave them. We'll go buy more. Um, At the Goodwill, probably? At at the Goodwill, yes, yes. We were just away. The first time we traveled, as you know, in a year, and we were in Florida, and um, we went to the Goodwill one time, and she couldn't believe they wanted $3 for books instead of 99 cents up here, but... Yeah, she'll read books. I, I'm good. I, I enjoy it. Um, but by the third day, I'm ready to go see stuff. But we um, we might. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. So we went to Cancun. And um, second to the last day, she said, okay, we can go see those um, the pyramids down in um, Tulum. So I rented a car from the hotel. And we're going down there, and we stop in a little town first to do a little shopping about 45 minutes north of Tulum in this little Playa de Carmen. And um, when we got out of our car, I heard this noise, and I realized somebody hit the mirror on the side of my rental car and knocked it off. And I picked it up and put it in the truck, and next thing you know, there was this um, American couple speaking English, which I was glad. They said, did you see that guy hit your car. I said, honestly, I didn't. They said, yeah, he did. Next thing you know, there's a cop car there. I'm thinking, what is going on? Next thing you know, 
this American couple, they were missionaries. They said, hey, we're, um, and I said, well, that's good. I'm a Christ follower too. They said, this guy in the cop car, he wants you to follow him. I said, oh my goodness, are we going to get down to Tulum? Well, we follow this guy a few blocks and pretty soon we're off the regular path. And um, he goes to this, like a corner, a lot. And I'm looking around and realize it's like a lot where they're keeping cars. And he made us leave our car there. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Now, Debbie wasn't too happy about this. <laughs> so she said, we're not, She's ready to be back on the beach. Yeah. We're not leaving the car there. I said, I don't know if we have a choice, honey. And he made us get in the cop car with him, and he started talking. And Debbie was trying to say some stuff to him. He turned the radio up, and he took us down to this little police station. And we sat there. I, I can shorten this story. We sat there for six or seven hours. At the police station. At the police station. People would come in. They were paying tickets and doing different things. And Debbie wanted me to go to the embassy. I said, honey, there's no embassy in Playa de Carmen. Well, who do you talk to, man? And um, so I'd see American-looking people walk by, and I'd yell out the door, do you speak Spanish? No, we're just here on vacation. Well, about 3.30 or 4 o'clock, they did a little – this was – we got down there about 10 in the morning. And um, – we were there all day, and I didn't know if I should say, how does this work here? <laughs> Am I supposed to pay money, or what's the deal? And, um, oh, my. So finally they had a change of officers, and this woman officer comes, and she looked nicer than the guys. And I went over to her and showed her my contract, said, can you call <laughs> these people? I'm thinking, this is not good. So she... She called, and I got the guy from the hotel. He was open from 8 to 10 and then from 5 to 7. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. They just keep the cars when you have a little wreck. And I had, by the way, I'd put the mirror back on, and on the side it just scraped it, and I took my shirt and rubbed it. You couldn't even see anything. He said, no problem. My my father will come over. He owns the insurance company. Oh, I had a choice in the morning. Do I want to buy a $100 deductible or a $1,000 deductible? And as you might guess... I bought the $1,000 deductible. So I'm thinking, oh, this is going to cost me 1000 bucks. Well, his father comes over and gets us. He, I said, he wanted to take us down to see the pyramids. There's no way Debbie's, <laughs> that point, that no was... way Debbie's going to see the pyramids. So we went over. I said, you got to go look at this car, man. He said, yeah, there's nothing, nothing. So he took us back to the hotel. And um, yeah, that's one of my crazy vacation stories. Too. I think you do need to write that uh, book still of your crazy. Yeah, leadership lessons. I have vacation stories and car stories that sometime I want to write. Down. Car stories too. Oh, oh man, yeah. I knew about the vacation. Can you can you think of a car story? Oh my. Okay, one funny one. So Debbie's brother, he was fortunate. He went to West Point, and we're going to graduation out there. And I, I worked here at Grace. We weren't, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. I was going to start grad school for my doctorate. So we bought this old VW station wagon because I sold my new car so I could have money. So we Did drive it have the a, wood panel sides or well, was it? Well, it, it um, didn't have much of a floor. Let's just put it that <laughs> way. So we, we drive it out there, and this thing stalls, and it won't start on graduation day at West Point. And it, it was not a good situation. It was not a good situation. I'll just say that for now. Wow. Yeah, I have a lot of car stories and a lot of vacation stories. So, so that's the that's the teaser for the book that's going to come out someday, right there. Yes, right I, I have someone who's going to help me 
um, leadership lessons from cars and vacations, yes. So uh, when you travel, um, you go to the beach. Once in a while, you get to go out and do something. Yeah, we You'd fed- like to go to Goodwills and go like shopping, too. I've even heard – I don't know if I've ever confirmed this with you. I've heard that you guys will buy suitcases on vacation and fill them with stuff – well, that you. has been known to happen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that we uh, pick up a suitcase or two. You can get them for ten or fifteen dollars in Goodwill, and then we bring things home. Yes, for for Debbie's uh, collection for, to and sell, for her to selling sell. Yes, and to all sell. that stuff. Okay. Yes, and we've had some nice vacations. We went to um, Scotland and England for our twenty fifth anniversary, and um, I enjoy traveling overseas more than Debbie does. So she she would be content to never go overseas. But we've gone to Vieques in Puerto Rico. So we've done some nice things. I mentioned that Cancun trip. Been to we had a Tijuana experience. I won't go into detail right now either. <laughs> to become in the book. So uh, get your yes, pre order yes. in in a couple whenever that comes out. <laughs> yes. Um so uh, how many countries do you think you've, I mean, estimate, how many countries do you think yeah, you've been I, to? Yeah, I've been really fortunate. I think I've been between 25 and 30 countries. Wow. Yeah, just um, amazing, amazing experience. And I know you also like ethnic food. Oh, All, yes. You know, you'll eat almost anything from anywhere. Absolutely. Do you have like a, a favorite uh, cultural, you know, food you, you Probably like? Asian food, Korean and Chinese um, yeah, that's my favorite. But I like almost everything. What's the uh, what's like the craziest thing you've uh, eaten? You think? Well, I was in the top of Hong Kong with folks from Geneva College, and our guide. We went to Hong Kong together, but this is I didn't really see. So you've been to Hong Kong twice or yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, oh, huh? I have. Okay. And our guide was arguing with the waiter. We didn't know what was going on. He said, "Well, he's mad. We didn't buy enough food, so I ordered some more." They brought out a couple of pigeons with, you know, the heads. Pigeons. Yeah, with the heads and the. So he, our guide takes and just sort of with his chopsticks, getting that head to come off, and then they said, "Bill will take the other one." So I won't give the details. But so you, so you ate a pigeon head. Just I, I won't give the details. <laughs> I said. Okay. Um, all right, we're going to do, uh, uh, amazingly, we've come up on our time, and I think we, we're going to definitely have to do a, a second episode um, because this has been a lot of fun digging into some of your uh, favorite things. So we're going to call this the lightning round. So this is going to be something you answer with one or two word or sentence answers. Uh-oh. Okay. okay. Um, as best you can. I do. Uh, so, uh, And you can pass if you're not sure if you even know the answer. So... Um, what's the last movie you saw in the theaters? Wow. <laughs> I knew that one might stump you. <laughs> we don't go very often. Um, yeah, I can't even remember, Drew. <laughs> Would you say it's been months, years, decades? <laughs> maybe maybe three or four years. But, okay. Yeah, I I can't even remember. Debbie would tell you when it was, who we were with. Yeah, I I can't even think. Okay, so uh, next one, uh, anything sort of on the bucket list or place you want to go, thing you want to do that you have not done yet? Yeah, I've been to Alaska twice. Debbie's never been there. I just asked her the other day, what about for our 50th doing an Alaskan cruise? Would you want to do that? And and she actually said, I think I would. So Ah. now- but I have in mind you get off for the excursions where you do the zip lines and that stuff too. But yeah, so I think I'd love to 
be in Alaska with Debbie. I've gone twice, and she's never been there. So besides the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, NFL football, any other sports that you follow? Um, well, the Grace Lancers, absolutely. Which we, you follow very closely. We, we love to get to as many games as we can. Um, yeah, yeah, I follow the Pittsburgh teams pretty close. And I'm also a Lions fan, believe it or not. That's where I grew up, and I'm pretty loyal. Um, it's, it's just hasn't been as much it's, to it's cheer diff- for It's difficult there. sometimes. Yeah. They have some fantastic talent there <laughs> who doesn't seem to work out. But, yeah, I'm, I'm for the Pittsburgh teams, the Pirates, the Penguins, the Steelers. If you could have a dinner with someone dead or alive, not a biblical character, uh, who would you select? Um, maybe Ronald Reagan. Okay. Yeah. The, the conversion from an actor to president. Yeah. Good one. Uh, okay, so um, if I uh, well, you can say what yours is, or maybe Debbie would be able to describe this. What what would be your biggest pet peeve? Um, probably complainers, people that just gripe about things instead of trying to make a difference. Uh, so you go to bed late and you get up early. Would you call yourself a morning person or a night person? Um, probably a morning person. Most famous person you've met? Um, yeah, we had this lecture series at Robert Morris, man, where I met some very famous Coleman Powell, Kissinger. Um, the She was the prime minister of um, India or Pakistan, I forget. She was murdered later. So, uh-huh. yeah, I've had a privilege of, I have pictures to prove it. Do you have any pets? We don't right now. And that, that could change any day. I could go home and Debbie could have a... <laughs> She's in charge of the house. You've mentioned little, that, yes. She says no more pets for us. But we have... um, There'll be one there tonight. Our daughter's coming over. She'll bring her pooch with her, Teddy. So Okay, so you get... Uh, and then uh, how would you describe your computer abilities? I think pretty good given my age. <laughs> I would agree with you. So yeah. I'm going I'm to affirm that one. Now, Debbie... Once she got into a smartphone, she has totally forgotten how you use the computer. Ah. To type her mother's Christmas letter, I have to go get it set up, pull up Word, type Dear Friends, and then Debbie types it. She used to do typing for for work, for earnings, but she doesn't even know how to get on the computer. Wow. I don't think she'll ever watch this podcast, <laughs> will she? I'll send it to her. <laughs> um, okay. There is there coffee in your cup? Do you drink coffee? Um, now that's not a nice question. I don't drink coffee very much. I might drink three or four glasses per year. Per year. Per year. Yeah. Mainly just drink water. You like to, you put some stuff in your water, right? Didn't yeah. You do sort I, of healthy water. I'm into zero, um, not, what's it called? Not Powerade. What's the brand I have? Um, uh, Gatorade? Gatorade, yes. Oh, okay. I'm zero frosty flavor Gatorade is what I drink like quite the, a bit. You kind of squeeze it in. No, it just you buy it. Oh, okay. You buy it. Yeah, I, I get it where I can, wow. but zero. There's no calories in it, no caffeine in it. I don't know what other kind of chemicals are going into my body, <laughs> but um, yeah, I put I put liquid in water too. Last thing, and I'm going to give uh, one question about what's going on at Grace right now. What are you really excited about right now at Grace? I'm excited how our students and faculty have adapted to the pandemic. They, they've been wonderful. They've made major changes, major changes. So, and we're, 
we're beginning. We might next week say, hang on, if we get a couple good weeks of testing, we're going to maybe lighten up on some of the restrictions. But we, we've survived. We've survived with our second highest ever class last fall. We're running 40 or 50 ahead on the new class for this fall. So we've, we've not only just survived, there's been lives being changed. So that's what I'm really excited about right now. Good. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, being our 50th guest wow. on wow. the podcast for I'm honored. our 50th thank you. episode. Um, and I uh, appreciate just so much your leadership, um, your mentorship of me, um, your willingness to share. Uh, I, I get the privilege of traveling with you and having these kind of conversations and asking these kind of questions to you all the time and just soaking in the wisdom and, and so appreciate it. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for doing this. And thank you for listening to the Grace Story podcast today. Our music was produced and written by Dr. Wally Brath, Associate Professor of Worship Arts here at Grace College. Thanks also to Rick Neer and Andrew Palladino, our co-producers. And we hope you will like, share, comment on this podcast wherever you retrieved it from. Until next time, live your best Grace Story today.